Today, uh, there are a few things I do want to talk to you about community, and, and they do involve in, in, in some of the ways that we structure and the way we help people connect with one another. Um, but I want to tell you that when I was 14 years old, uh, when I first encountered real community, uh, it was centered around Jesus Christ. I know there's lots of other groups, other uh, communities or fellowships that are around, gathered around hiking, gathered around your dogs, gathered around whatever, stamp collecting. But uh, this group that I encountered was centered around Jesus Christ. It was a group of about 10 students, and they came together once a week before the rest of uh, the youth group that came together, which was about 60 or 70 kids. And these 10 would come together, and what they'd simply do was uh, they would just share what their favorite day was uh, from scripture readings that they had done each day throughout the week. And uh, it was to this group that I, I first confessed that my life did not look anything like a Christ follower's life should look like. In fact, that I, I didn't feel like I had any connection with Jesus Christ and that I needed my life to change and I needed Jesus in my life. And uh, that group of students and those few adults that were there with us each week, they, they wept with me, they, they mourned with me, they prayed for me, they encouraged, encouraged me, they hugged on me. And there was something that happened in that moment, when, when, I shared, when I shared from my life in relation to my position with Jesus Christ and His words, when I shared where I was at. And as that group continued, it's interesting because uh, others, uh, it was suddenly like there was permission to share in this group. And as the group continued, others began to share that things in their lives weren't exactly picture perfect either. And a mutual care for one another started happening between us. And as we all began to long to be real with God and to be real with each other, and it spilled, started spilling over out of this, this little group of ten. It started spilling over into the larger group of youth that met afterwards. And by the time I graduated, it wasn't uncommon for a student, just on a regular night when the youth group came together, to vulnerably share from their hearts in brokenness, and then for a swarm of students to gather around that person, to encourage them, to love on them, and to pray for them. And uh, a lot of times, there was also people in those moments that would just say, me too. That's where I'm broken. And I tell you what, great things happen. Great ministry happened at that time. God worked among us in this little community of, of, of the 70 that were there. And among that 70 group uh, of, of 70 students, there started being students that rose up and God was raising up as leaders. And they were challenged and they went back to their school campuses and they started student-led outreaches on each of their campuses. And so it was kind of like these little, this little community that was happening there all of a sudden was spilling out onto the school campuses. And then people started being pulled in there. And it was not much longer after this. Within a year, there was a, a group, an outreach group, on every single school campus within the city. After five years, there were groups in over 70 schools in the metro area of the city that I grew up in, high school and middle school. In the sixth year, there was a citywide evangelistic effort called Locker to Locker that was strategically accomplished through each of these student-led groups in all these school campuses. And it culminated 
with a rally in 1993 of about 15,000 students that came together because of these student-led outreach groups inviting their friends from their school to one place and one time. Now, I, I've, been to, I've been to a lot of uh, youth conferences and things like that. I've, I've maybe been to one national conference that had that many students, but I've never been to a statewide conference, nor have I ever been to a city-wide conference that ever drew that many students at one time. But what happened was that uh, there was eight rival gangs that showed up. There was no violence that night, no outbreaks. There was over a thousand students that came to Christ and responded to the gospel message. There were many others that got their lives right back on track with the Lord. And after that, after uh, following years, gang violence ceased in the city. So, do I believe that a little community of 10 Christ followers can have impact on life around them? Yes. Yes, I do. Do I believe that community centered in Jesus Christ is life transforming? Yes, I do. I really believe that. Do I believe that life as we know it can change through the love, loyalty, and friendship of Jesus Christ? Yes, I really believe that. Life together in Christ is incomparable to life all alone. It is incomparable. We call this life together, we call it Christian community, we call it a community of Christ followers, we call it community with a purpose, we call it a, a community of practice. It's not just community for community's sake. It's community with a purpose. And Jesus is at the center of the community. Like I said, you can find lots of other groups that have community. But you want to find a group where Christ is central and in the center of it. And I desire every person, I desire every person to be a part of something like that. I want to try to describe to you what this Christ-centered community is like. And I pray that God will give you desire to enter into this kind of community. I know for some of you, I know some of the thoughts are, man, I've tried that before. I've tried little groups and try to get into them or maybe you've been burned by people you've just been hurt uh, people have said things done things and so I know that I'm speaking to some folks here today that probably your heart has maybe been wounded and what I'm hoping today is that as I share with you I hope God will rekindle and renew and that there might be trust again in your heart because I'm, I'm telling you like like what we talked about last week the enemy he prowls around looking for those whom he wishes to devour. And the lone sheep gets eaten up. I'm telling you, 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 don't, you don't want to be alone. You need people. And you need people in your life. This life was meant to be done together. And especially this life in Christ was meant to be done together. I want to tell you about the first ever community. The first ever community. Uh, it, it's not in the book of Acts. Surprise. Uh, and it doesn't start with the church. In fact, it, it starts a whole lot earlier than that. The first uh, Christian community, or, or really any community whatsoever, really began before the earth was ever made. The first community began with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The three in one, existing eternally and in harmony. They had perfect fellowship together. 
They enjoyed each other. They had no need for anyone or anything else. They didn't need us. I, I imagine them in a huddle together, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, kind of with their arms around each other like this on their shoulders. And they're just enjoying, enjoying their fellowship. And then the Father says, you know what? I have an idea. Let's bring some people into this. And then Jesus says, you know what? I can help make a way. And then the Holy Spirit says, you know what? I'll draw them in. And they do it. And they open up their arms into their fellowship. And they invited us into this beautiful, what was once perfect fellowship. And they brought us in through Christ. Amazing. Amazing. This, this is the real, original fellowship of the ring. Right here. And what I want to tell you is that what we want to do is try to imitate what the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are doing. What we want to do is, is right here in this group, you've got a group here, and we're kind of like this. We've got this fellowship going on. It's great. It's good. But what we want to do, and with our groups that meet in homes, it's, it's like there's this little ring of us, and we're in our huddle. And so, Maggie, grab onto that. So this is our little ring, our ring of fellowship here. And somebody, Lisa, grab onto that. All right. And what we're doing is not, not just huddled in like this so nobody else can gather around. But what we do is we're also reaching out, extending our hand. Grab that, Brad. Grab that, Wendy. And there's another ring there. And we just continue. And then Brad's reaching out with his hand over here. And there's another ring. There's another fellowship. And it just keeps on going. And it's just this. It's like the body. The body of Christ. All these cells reproducing and growing. And it's hard to find where's the center Where's the center of this thing? Where, where's the, the epicenter of this? There is none. Because Christ is in the center of every single little ring. He's in those gatherings. And so I know that today there are gatherings of Christ followers. And it looks very different than maybe some of the gatherings we have in China. You know, there's, there's people gathering in homes all over the place. They aren't bound by real estate and so the church just keeps growing and growing and growing because all you need is a living room to meet in. And so, but it's, it's like these little rings have these fellowships everywhere. The same thing is happening here in a small way with what we're doing with our gel groups. And what we're trying again to do is imitate the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and open up that fellowship and welcome people into that. Now, look at how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit worked this ever-expanding community on earth. How they did this. It's described in Acts 2. And it's uh, the first book after the Gospels. Uh, it's when the first Christian community began. It's official, uh, unannounced, unplanned church. And the Bible describes this. And, and it's called Acts because it describes the first Acts of the church. And at this first unannounced, unplanned launch of the church, about 3,000 people joined that day. And it was a pretty amazing thing. Now, if you've got a, a thing against megachurches, you probably have a problem with this one uh, in the Bible. But under the leadership of the 12 apostles and, and other leaders, numbering about 120, this is what they started doing. They met every day in the only place that could hold them, the temple courts. It was kind of like a giant pavilion area. And when they, all of them had to eat sometime. You know, they got hungry. They had bellies. And so what they did was uh, they all went to different directions and gathered in people's homes within the city. Acts 2.46 says this, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, 
You know, I wish I could have heard some of the conversations and questions that took place in those homes. But the one thing I know that happened when this Christian community was fully functioning like this was that this community exuded the presence and the power and the purpose of Jesus Christ. Jesus was in their midst. Whether it was in the giant gathering of 3,000 at the temple or whether it was in homes with a group of 12 to 15 people crammed in there. It exuded the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. I desire that for this Christian community here. We're trying to shape this church the way that we see the first church is described. With our large gatherings here on Sunday and smaller gatherings in various homes and places all across the city. And what we're calling gel groups. And again, there's, there's no, uh, I've told you this before for those who don't know, I mean, there's no spiritual significance to that name. It's just because I like the Dr. Scholl's commercial, Are You Gelling? And so I just want to ask people, Are You Gelling? And uh, that's the only reason. So uh, that's my silly brain and how it works. Um, we aren't, but in doing this, I want you to know, we aren't coming up with anything new. This isn't new. We're, this is really an ancient form that we're drawing upon from the description of Christian communities described in the Bible. Okay? So what we're trying to do is, is a biblical form. It's not something that we're making up. It's not something new. Not some new fangled idea that you can't trust. It's there in the Bible. You can read about it. And I know many people, many people enjoy the benefit from large group gatherings. And they don't really see a need in their life for being a part of small gatherings. But I believe it's really important for us to participate in both. Let me tell you why. You see, we can get by for a while on size. We can get by on skilled communication. We can get by on programs to meet every single need. But unless we sense that we belong to each other with the mask off, the vibrant church of today will become the powerless church of tomorrow. Stale, irrelevant, a place of pretense where the sufferers suffer alone where pressure generates conformity rather than the Spirit creating life. That's where the church is headed unless we focus on authentic, inclusive, biblical community. This is why we're doing this. It's why we're following this form that's found in the Bible. You guys, you know where we share people? You know where we share with people our sufferings? What's going on in our heart? Do you know where we share with the mask off? We do that with people who know know us and people that we trust with people that our hearts feel safe with how many people can you really know and can really know your heart how many I don't think it would be 300 people I don't think it would be in this group here how long does it take for you to allow someone to know your heart how long does it take for you to let that happen Probably more than an hour and a half on Sunday morning or two minutes walking in and out of the door here saying, hey, dude, how you doing? Peace. You know, it's, it's going to take a little more than that for someone to know your heart. Okay, I, I know some of you introverted people, you're saying, you're probably agreeing with me and say, yes, that's right. You know, well, you know, we, we, need, to, we need these relationships. We need, you know, because you're the type of person, you know, you walk into a room full of people and you find one person and you sit there and talk with them for like an hour. I mean, that's, that's the way you're made, and that's great. And then, now I know there's other of you who are, are the extroverts in the group, and you're kind of like, 
dude, whatever. I'm everybody's friend. I mean, I'm an open book. Everybody knows my life. Everybody knows me, and I know them. Yeah. Or there might be some of you here are the more independent types, and you're kind of thinking, you know what? I just don't need people. I got my bed, I got my food, I got a roof over my head, and I got my dog, and I'm fine. You know? Well, maybe let's just look practically at Jesus and how he did things with the, his disciples and when he walked this planet. You know, we don't know much about Jesus until he began his ministry, and that ministry only lasted three years. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> oh, I'm still struggling with the cold here. And his ministry, amazing ministry, only lasted three years. When he first started out, he had quite a few followers that were traveling with him when he first began his ministry. At times, we know that he had over 4,000 to 5,000 people with him. We know those biblical counts, they, didn't, they only counted men, they didn't count women and children, so there's even more than that, probably twice the amount. And they would follow him to hear him speak. But then he began selecting people from those masses. At one time, the Bible says that he, he appointed 72 people and he sent them out as his representatives, as his ambassadors, to, to share his teaching and to go into different towns with, throughout Israel. Then there was a time when from the 72, he selected 12 people. And he pulled those 12 people in and he said, I, I want you to be with me. He called them his apostles or sent ones. And these 12 spent time with Jesus, traveling with him, eating with him, camping out with him, helping in his ministry to the masses. And then... Even among the twelve, which we are pretty familiar with from the Bible stories that we read in the New Testament, among the twelve, there were three that Jesus invited to special occasions that no one else was invited to. The Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John. Uh, from the raising of, of Jairus' daughter from the dead, Peter, James, and John. The Garden of Gethsemane, right before he went to the cross, Peter, James, and John. He invited them in to special times that he didn't invite the others into. And among those three, it was even said that there was one that Jesus was closest to, and it was John. So I, I want to point this out to you guys, because when we talk about hope for everyone to experience the fullness of biblical Christ-centered community, I don't mean that you can experience it right here, right now, with 300 people. What we experience here is, is great. There's some great dynamics to what happens here. There's wonderful worship. It's exciting. There's, it's, it's an energy time. I mean, it's, it's a pump you up. There's, there's preaching of the word. All these things that we're supposed to do, they're great. We're supposed to do those things. But if you want real friendships, people who know your heart, it's got to take some other place, some other time, not here. The people that Jesus really shared his life with numbered somewhere around 12 guys and a few women. The people who were really close to his heart numbered about three. So let me get straight to the point here on this and, and just say, you ain't Jesus, okay? You ain't Jesus. I know some of you have big hearts and you want to be everybody's friend, and maybe you have some advantages that others don't, but, but Jesus could only handle about 12 people. That was his close circle. I know some of you want to say, man, everybody here is my friend. I, man, this is awesome. This is great. But there were 12 people that he really knew him and got to know him. And there's three that were even closer. And, and I want you to know that, I mean, for some of us who have families, I mean, I'm, I'm counting my family. I, I got six in my family already. So I, I'm going, okay, 
Uh, maybe about six more people that I can pull in real close, get to know me, know my heart, what I'm like. There, there, there's so, only so many people that we can pull in. And, and so you have to be smart about that. You have to know, and you have to choose, you have to pray. You have to think about those people that you're going to share life with. But I want you to know that even though you got your MySpace with the catalog of a thousand pictures of all your friends, you're going to have to get some closer friends than that, okay? I mean, sometimes that just turns into a little popularity contest, okay? I know how that goes. But really, you can't do any better than Jesus. Twelve people. Three that were really close and it was hard. Now let me share with you uh, something with those of us who maybe have some real high ideals about what a little community should be like. Say that you, you do have a group somewhere. And, and, it, and again, you know, maybe six, six, ten, twelve people you get together with, you share your life with, some way, somehow. Maybe it's in your neighborhood, maybe it's at your workplace, maybe it's on your school campus, anywhere. But say you have this group, and you might have some real high ideals about what should happen in this group and what the relationships would be like. But I, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, if you really desire genuine and authentic relationships found in a Christ-centered community, you're going to have to be overwhelmed by the great disillusionment. Disillusionment with others, and if you're fortunate, disillusionment with yourself. By His grace, God wants you to not live in a dream world, but to recognize all the unhappy and ugly aspects, the messiness of real Christian community. Those of you who uh, love your dream of a community more than you love the Christian community itself, you actually end up being a destroyer, even though your intentions may be honest, earnest, and even sacrificial. Real community is messy. Getting into people's lives is messy. It's not tidy. Here's what I mean. I could go off to a deserted island all by myself, and I could be a good little boy and not do bad things in my ideal of being a good Christ follower. And, uh, and the Lord, but the Lord, He never intended for me to live this new way of life all by myself. Most of His instructions to me, I cannot carry out by myself. Jesus tells me there are some one another commands He desires me to live out. You can find a bunch of them in Romans 12 and other places. Things like Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another and honor one another. Romans 12.16, live in harmony with one another. Romans 14.13, stop passing judgment on one another. Romans 15.17, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Galatians 5.13, serve one another. Ephesians 4.2, bear with one another in love. Ephesians 4.32, forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I could go on with about another 16 of these one another commands. But here's my question in connection with these one another commands and the disillusionment that needs to happen with each other and ourselves. Why would the Lord give us these commands like live in harmony with one another? Could it be that maybe there are some moments in our lives when we don't feel or want to act so harmonious? Could it be? Why, why the command accept one another? Could it be that in a weak moment that really we instead want to reject someone? Why, why the command bear with one another in love? Could it be that sometimes we don't want to put up with Mr. or Mrs. Personality? Could it be? What about forgive 
one another. I mean, actually, I mean, does it happen in these beautiful Christ-centered communities? Someone is going to do something stupid and hurt somebody? And we might have to forgive them? Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Are you getting the picture here that a community of Christ followers is not a community of perfect people? Are you getting the picture? I hope you are. I hope you are. And I know that this might be a great disillusionment for some of you. But even when Jesus is the center of a community, it's still not perfect. And I know that this might be a greater shock, but, but you're not perfect either. And you're part of the reason why the group isn't perfect. Right when you join it, you made it imperfect. And right when I joined it, I made it imperfect. Okay? That's what happens. So, neither of us are perfect. But this is where the chaos of Christian community is beautiful. When a brother or sister sins against me, they're still my brother and sister. Even when sin and misunderstanding between us might burden me, it's still a chance it's still an occasion for me to give thanks that both of us live in the forgiving love of Jesus. At that very moment that I'm disillusioned and recognize that we fail each other, it's the moment I can recognize the one who will not fail each of us and binds us together in his forgiveness at the cross. It's that forgiveness, it's that grace that holds us together. It's the common denominator, it's Jesus. It's him. So what in the world am I saying to you here today? I'm a part of this fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I, along with others, we're inviting you to be a part of the community that we enjoy with them, with God. It's not perfect, but we're trying to create little fellowships of the ring where it's safe to share our stories face-to-face and to know one another. We look at our stories and we see how we fit into the story of Jesus. In our groups, we, we do this together. Christ followers and those who are still seeking. You know, I, I want to just tell you just, again, some practical things here as we wrap things up here today. Our gel groups are not... Um, they're not all cookie cutter. They're not all the same. They're all very different. In fact, um, really... Uh, I have a very broad definition of what these groups are and what they should be. And really the main thing is just that we're sharing our stories in relation to Christ's story. That's the main thing. So sometimes there's groups, uh, you know, I, I was trying to do a group that was a mountain bike riding group. And uh, I was trying to do that. It didn't go well. And that's the other thing. Sometimes we start things and they fail. It happens. And, uh, and but that, you know, that's, it doesn't stop us from starting other new things. So. And there's going to be groups starting all the time. There's, uh, there's a group uh, that meets that's uh, two groups. That's families with little kids. Uh, there's another group that meets that's uh, just kind of more of the 20-something crowd. There's another group that's kind of the no-labels group. It's, it's old, young, in between. And then there's a group that's uh, for youth and their parents coming together. There's uh, even groups that are going to meet. They'll just meet for a short period of time. And then they will stop because uh, they had a certain task they were to do. They were going to serve together. There are groups that are more focused on studying the Word of God. Uh, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday noon, the women's group, it's the focus of what they do. There's other groups that are going to be focused on, on serving 
and trying to include others who don't know Christ to serve with them. And somehow to bridge that gap between them and the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. So there's all kinds of groups, all kinds of uh, more focus or vision for each group. And really, you just got to take a chance. And that's where I know some of you kind of struggle. It's taking that chance. Man, what if I go and, man, it's just it's a bunch of dorky people. You know what? It's all right. If you go and you feel like it's a bunch of dorky people, you don't have to stay, okay? You don't have to go back. I think everybody understands, our leaders understand, that people are checking things out. So you can go and you can check it out. You're not trapped if you show up once, okay? You can leave. You don't have to go back again. You don't have to send a note. And uh, I know some of you might be going, man, if I go, what if I go and I have to, have to talk, have to share. You know what? You don't have to. You can just, you know, I pass, pass on, the, on the conversation here. I'm just here to kind of watch, observe what's going on. You can do that. It's all right. But I do want you to know that there is some risk involved in this because you are going to get to know people. And they're probably going to get to know you. And I know maybe that's the scariest part for you. What happens when they get to know me? When they really know who I am? You know what? We all know that we're a group of no perfect people. It's all right. We're all a bunch of screwed up losers. Jesus takes us and he redeems us. Makes us new. Helps us. Helps us win. Helps us overcome. And that's the, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And I don't want you to miss out on it. Right now, I, what I like to do is... Uh, and again, I didn't warn my gel group leaders about this, so they're probably all on vacation somewhere doing an Acapulco or something. But anyway, um, any of the gel group leaders, if you're here, could you just stand up? You see, there, there's one over there, Doris, Joel, John, all right, James, Pam, and Charlie. Cool. All right. And we got there in the back. Got some leaders back there. Cool. All right. Hey, keep standing. Keep standing. All right. Hey, yeah. It's a great people. I really appreciate them. I do. I want you to know that we got groups that are meeting on different sides of the town. South side. Uh, south side, we got uh, Penistons back here. Uh, the southwest side, Doris and John Cress over there. Uh, south side, 20-somethings with Joel. Um, we got uh, north side, James Nysong, his group there. Uh, Gary and Peggy Lynn over on the East, Fairview, uh, yeah, over there. I'm, I'm still learning Asheville, I'm sorry. Um, so we got groups that are meeting elsewhere. And what I like really is if you guys would just go to the back, go in the hallway back there and stand back there. And when people walk out and leave, they can see your faces. And you can like, hi, I'm a Joe group leader. All right? So go right now. I'm telling you. All right. Now here's the deal. Here's the deal, folks. People aren't going to chase you down to be a part of these groups. It's a whole voluntary thing. It's, it's if you want to, if you're willing to take the risk, okay? I'm telling you that it might be worth the risk. I think it might be. I think it might be. I really, I really do. And so what you're going to have to do is you're going to find out. You're going to have to find out where these groups meet. And, you know, some of these folks, they're going to be inviting you. There's, gonna be, there's people here that are already involved in groups. They're going to invite you. So, and sometime you just need to take them up on the offer. All right?
There's some good things happening. Don't miss out on the community and the richness of this community. Well, I'm going to close this in prayer today. Very simple day. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, there, there's such a richness to your family. And Lord, it's centered around you and what you did for us on the cross. And Lord, I know that um, sometimes we, we see our sin, we see our faults, we see how messed up we are, and we're scared about other people knowing us. We know that you accept us and you receive us, but we're scared about others. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take those risks. Lord, I know that some of us here have been wounded. We've tried to trust people, and we've been hurt. We've been accused. We've been uh, sinned against, and there hasn't been forgiveness or reconciliation in those relationships, and so it's difficult for us to move forward. Lord, I pray that you bring about healing and a desire to want to be with people that are trying to be real with you and real with each other. And God, we just pray that you continue to show us how our lives, how we can align them to your word, how our story can fit with your story. Jesus, it's, we're here because of you today. And, and Lord, again, we want to honor you. I pray that you bless these people and protect them. And Lord, continue to speak to their hearts as they leave this place. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.